0: 6 podcast featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason LaConfora and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 podcast.
1: Nick and Will, Pete Frisco joining us a little later from Los Angeles at Chargers and Rams Camp. Will, breaking news on a Wednesday, Devontae Freeman, the richest running back in the National Football League, signs a big extension with the Falcons, $41 million over five years, $22 million guaranteed for Mr. Freeman.
2: You know, getting that new contract for Devontae Freeman, Nick, is sort of like every time one of our fantastic listeners leaves a review and rates us on iTunes. <laughs> it makes me... Like I feel like I feel like somebody gave me 40 million every time I see a new review or a star on iTunes. So go on there, rate it, review uh, the Pick Six podcast, five stars if you like it, if you enjoy it. Three days a week, but yeah, Devonte Freeman gets paid. It's interesting when you look at this this contract because there are a couple of factors I think, that uh, that factor in there are a couple of factors that factor yes, in. Yes, yes, yes. The factors different. that
1: factor in. The factors definitely factor in.
2: A couple of interesting storylines here for me. One. Uh, and you look, at, and I did something on how the Falcons defense is going to make a leap in in 2017. And it's in large part because when you look at the Falcons defense, what you see is a ton of young players acquired by Dan Quinn since he arrived. You know, you have Grady Jarrett, a 2015 fifth round pick, Vic Beasley, a, a 2015 first round pick, Duke Riley's going to start a 2017 third round pick potentially. Um, you know, you have Keanu Neal, a 2016 first round pick. You have, who am I missing? Devondre Campbell, a 2016 fourth round pick. Deion Deion Jones, Jones.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. And so, what am I getting at here? All of these guys are on such manageable contracts and so young. And you have Matt Ryan locked up and you have Julio Jones locked up that you can pay a running back this amount of money in a market that is really, really suppressed because it's not going to kill your cap space. And it's probably just a three-year deal, right? Oh, he signed through 2022. Yeah, right. Nobody signed through 2022 in the NFL. And what that means is now the Falcons can keep Devonta Freeman under the salary cap. They can keep him paid. They can keep him happy. He's a critical part to the offense, but it doesn't hurt them long-term because they have all these young guys. And, you know, I'm looking at uh, Joel Corey, our pal, who writes uh our, our resident
1: NFL agent at CBS yeah, Sports
2: or, or agent, But he pointed out to this is a tweet from him to put the declining running back market in perspective. Steven Jackson signed a five year forty three million dollar extension worth a max of forty nine million dollars with the Rams in two thousand eight. Wild.
1: Almost so, I mean, a decade ago.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, man. These these um these running back contracts are just are just getting worse. Now Is Devonta Freeman the best running back in the NFL? No.
1: He might not not even be be the best running back on his own team. I mean, you could certainly make an argument that Tevin Coleman's just as good.
2: You certainly could. Total value, he now eclipses LaShawn McCoy, who has a $40 million contract. Doug Martin right there. Chris Ivory. Do you know who's fourth if you sort on over the cap by total value contracts for running backs?
1: I'm guessing it's Chris Ivory since you just said his name. Is it not?
2: But he's the third guy. Well, now he would be fourth. Sorry, but not counting Devonta Freeman. Fifth, in
1: Leonard Fournette! That's awesome.
2: He's a, yes, I mean, like, these guys are basically being paid slightly more than rookies. Running backs aren't getting a ton of money. And so if you're Devonta Freeman, you, you strike while the iron's hot. The people no it's, it. it's, it's We talked about Le'Veon Bell's contract before. It's just tough to figure out the, the how much you pay a guy who catches that many balls. Devonta Freeman, more of a traditional running back. This is a deal that makes sense for both sides.
1: I, I love that the Jaguars have now two of the top five highest paid running backs in the NFL on their roster. One stinks and one has never played in an NFL game. Like, it's not like they're trotting Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson out there as two of the top five. It's freaking Leonard Fournette, who has yet to play a game, and Chris Ivory, who was an epic disappointment last year. Ah.
2: And, and, both, and both guys, like, like those guys might be better than their offensive linemen. Like yes. they, like they can put them in at guard and be a better offensive line team and just have Blake Bortles run sneaks at the middle of the entire game. Or
1: time. one of them maybe could play quarterback, since Bortles is probably the worst player on that on that offense. Two things for you. Number one, I keep forgetting at the beginning to do the – The leave a rating or review, and I think I'm going to keep doing it now because I think it's reached the point where it's now just a shtick, like I forget to do it, you jump in, and you provide a really nice segue or something I've said into your pitch for people to leave their rating or review. Please do that. This this is the deal. I have crippling insecurities, and I need your validation to get through the day. So leave that five-star review. Say nice things about us because, really, it helps me sleep better at night. And as for the Falcons and Freeman. I think that it's really smart, right? And I like Tevin Coleman a lot, so he's going to have to leave. Like, he's not going to be in Atlanta long term, or Freeman's going to be there, obviously. But I think you said Devontae Freeman strike while, while the iron is hot. If you are the Atlanta Falcons, you need to strike while the iron is hot. Because the Super Bowl window, even despite the collapse in Super Bowl 51, it's still open right now. And Devontae Freeman, you want to keep him happy for this season here because you can make a case. I don't think they're going to go back to the Super Bowl, but you could certainly make the case that Atlanta is a Super Bowl caliber team again this year.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that the only thing that scares me away from the Falcons being a, a Super Bowl team is that they lost the Super Bowl last year.
1: And that's and it's a really it's a fair point. And not just that they lost it last year, but the soul crushing fashion like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, harped, ripped out of your chest and you watch it beaten in front of your eyes. It was bad.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know, you start to look at the Falcons defense, it looks like it can make the leap. The I so the biggest loss to me for the Falcons is is uh is Kyle Shanahan. That's you know, Issues with the Super Bowl and Kyle Shanahan. I would almost like the Falcons more. I mean, I I would be I think a lot of people would be picking the Falcons to win the Super Bowl if they had lost in the first or second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I I
1: think that's actually that's a fair point. Like if Atlanta goes down to Seattle or they lose to Green Bay because you say, oh, now they're reloading this year. Kyle Shanahan maybe doesn't take the San Francisco job because he doesn't go to the Super Bowl. So it is kind of fascinating how that works out.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's I mean, look, it's it's one of those things that. You know, it's a what if. but if you're, I mean, if you're—I mean, To me, I, I just remember what happened last year with the Panthers when they were coming off that brutal Super Bowl loss and they stumbled out of the gates and they just couldn't get the mojo right. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see the same sort of thing with Atlanta, although they get the Bears in week one, so a much earlier start. Speaking of great mojo from last year, the Dallas Cowboys had a ton of it and it fell apart when they ran into uh, Aaron Rodgers in those playoffs. See, anybody can lose to Aaron Rodgers. Lots of people, I imagine, will pick the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl this year, right? I mean, thirteen and three last year. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott. The
1: hype's out of control, definitely.
2: I mean, it, 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 I mean, our, it's interesting. I was talking with our, our one of our editors, R.J. White, about the odds for the um, for the uh, for the NFC East, I, right? I like,
1: by the way, and we've I've said this on the old Roughing the Passer pod. The way that you say the word White, you sound like Stewie from Family Guy, like cool, cool, whip. R.J. White.
2: R.J. White. That's weird too, because you wouldn't think that I says, I can't even pronounce jules <laughs> uh, uh, Well, no, no. <laughs>
1: That's your North Cackalacky draw, like, my jules in the backfield for the Patriots.
2: Right, right. But see, I've got this weird mental hang-up because my mom is from Florida. And when she moved to North Carolina and, and like, in like, you know, northern Florida, so it's the south, but her, parent, her parents always tried to get her not to say all and iron. And so she got me to do the same thing. So I say, like, oil and iron. <laughs> And um and so sometimes I'll have this like sort of Yankeeish Florida accent that, that comes through. It's very bizarre and it, it bothers me. And that's I think it's what I'm like, white. Like, yeah, let's go play some croquet in our white linen. Yes, indeed, you know, yes. Like,
1: and and you must be wearing white only, like it's Wimbledon.
2: Who wears white after Labor Day? <laughs> uh at any rate, the Cowboys, white hot. Um, with their uh with their hype. And yet there are some concerns. Of course the Ezekiel Elliott news is gonna come down at some point. Reportedly not Wednesday. We're filming this around 1045 on Wednesday morning. Tyron Crawford, though, hurt and carted off on Tuesday evening at Cowboys practice. Yet another blow to this Dallas Cowboys defense. It seems like Crawford, who had four and a half sacks last year for Dallas, is probably going to be okay. There's reports report is just a sprained ankle. But when you start to, I mean, you know, look, this guy was the third leading sack sacker on that team last four year. Was four and a half last year, yep. And he plays defensive tackle a bunch. You got, you know, nine and a half sacks over the last two years, an impact player. And that defensive line, DeMarcus Lawrence, are we going to trust DeMarcus Lawrence and and Taco Charlton to get this job done?
1: I don't don't think you can. And I think this is going to be the bugaboo for the Cowboys here because the formula, we know what it is, right? It's control the game on the ground so that your defense is not exposed out there on the, on the field too long and look and we saw what happens last year like in the playoffs when when that's not the case and the offense the opposing offense is on the field Aaron Rodgers absolutely tore them apart in that game so now we have the potential of a Zeke suspension maybe it's only one or two games but that first game of the year against the Giants is not going to be a cakewalk obviously for Dallas the Giants swept them last year and you have a little bit of a reshuffling on the offensive line Lyle Collins kicking out the tackle now is this offensive line going to be the dominant force that it was last year. And I know Tyron Smith's still there. Um, Travis Frederick is still there. Zach Martin's still there. But I think you can make the case that maybe the offensive line won't be as good as it was last year, and if it's not and the Cowboys get into some shootouts, I don't know that that defense is good enough, Will, to make enough stops to win football games here. I still think Dallas is going to be a darn good team here, but like when we're really nervous about Tyrone Crawford going down, I think it says something about the lack of depth here and how Jerry Jones and company have struck out over the past however many off-seasons in trying to get a couple bona fide pass rushers, whether it's Randy Gregory, the absolutely asinine Greg Hardy experiments, like they have swung and missed here, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, it will cost the Cowboys at some point this year as they try to win a Super Bowl. I just don't see it happening. Like, how can you how can you make a case for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl if they can't put the, the opposing quarterback on his ass?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough to imagine, and you have to think there's some sort of regression for for Dak Prescott. Zeke Elliott had a ton of carries. I think I, I did something on the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. The Vikings ran the ball 380 times last year. Zeke Elliott ran the ball 344 times last year. I mean, that's like you know, like virtually almost like 40. You know, he's he's two playoff games away from matching the Vikings total in the regular season last year. Um, looking, I think it's interesting. You look at the Football Outsiders does this adjusted games lost ranking. I don't know if you've seen that or not. But it basically accounts for injury. Like who's been unlucky? For instance, the Chargers have been 31st, 26th and 31st in games lost. They lose a ton of games to injury. It's wild.
1: Camp- and, and and it's carrying over to this year obviously already.
2: Yeah, and speaking of the Chargers, Jason Lockeford has some interviews later in the show with uh, Philip Rivers and Joey Bosa, Pete at Pete Prisco's at Chargers camp, and Jake's got a good piece on the injury stuff happening on CBSsports.com, but this Football outsider study, the Cowboys two years ago, fifth in adjusted games loss in 2015. And then last year, right about league average at 16. But you have to remember, you know, there's some Tony Romo factor in there, right? Like, you know, how many, how many games did Tony lose? And they didn't lose many games on the offensive line. And I wonder what happens if, you know, Ronald Leary leaves for Denver in the offseason. Like you said, there's movement in the offensive line. I will be interested to see... How much health they have on the offensive line? Because I think there's a potential trickle down effect. Should the Cowboys end up losing, you know, losing one guy gets hurt, then they got to shift some stuff. Then maybe the running game doesn't operate as well. Dak isn't protected. Um, Is can Des stay healthy? I I just I'm not feeling the Cowboys this year. Well,
1: I mean, well, not feeling them. What do you mean by that here? Because they're not going to win 13 games again. I think we can agree on that. But like, do you think they're like an eight win team or are they a 10 win team? Like, what what what's your level here for Dallas?
2: I think they're probably eight to 10. Wow. Wins. I mean,
1: if, if they go eight and eight or nine and seven, like Jason Garrett might get fired.
2: Uh, I don't think Jason, uh, I don't think Jerry Jones is ever going to fire Jason
1: Garrett. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair point because, like, it's almost like he's a Supreme Court justice at this point. Like, he loses the job when he dies. But, like, if they if they have a disappointing year this year, the expectations are sky high. I think you could see Jason Garrett on the hot seat. And maybe he looks at John Gruden or someone of that nature because he's going to want to make a big splash. But if they, they go 8-8, eight and eight, I think Jason Garrett gets fired.
2: I don't think he'll get fired after 8-8. Eight and eight. I think that if he goes 8-8, eight and eight, he will need to win in 2018. But I, I think Jerry, I'm telling you, man, look at the Jerry Jones backed this guy through thick and thin. I mean, like, he, he loves Jason Garrett. I mean, he, like, he, he doesn't, I mean, I, I just can't see him canning Jason Garrett, like, but I mean, who knows? I mean, Wade Phillips was a better regular season coach than Jason Garrett for the Cowboys. Okay. Yes. I mean, like, that's, that's almost undisputable. But yet, Jason Garrett was the one who was always there. I mean, you remember that, do you remember reading Kissing, Kissing Susie Colbert back when the, they were both there? And it was like, Jason Garrett, like, like they had this, like the meme was like Jason Garrett would pop in the office and be like, hey, Wade, what's going on? Well, yeah.
1: Wasn't, I just been, wasn't Jason Garrett making more money as the offensive coordinator than Phillips <laughs> was as the head coach?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like it was like it was basically Jason Garrett's team and poor Wade's just like hanging out. I, I, I think that I don't think Jason Garrett will get fired, but I look, I don't think eight Nate's off the off the table for them. They have a tough schedule. I think more likely it's off
1: the table. They're too good. They're too good to go eight and eight.
2: That's just not true. I mean, the Panthers went six and ten last year.
1: Yeah, but they were coming off, I think, a different situation, though, right?
2: I mean, I guess. I mean, and, people. And, and,
1: were... Okay, so how about this? If Dak Prescott if takes floor... four, if Dak Prescott takes forty helmet to helmet hit year, then the Cowboys could go eight and eight.
2: Well, I mean, if the offensive line struggles, like, I, look. I'm just saying it's not, I, I think anything between eight and eight. I think their floor is probably eight and eight. Their ceiling's is probably I don't know, thirteen and three again. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about the uh, Cowboys. Not as worried as I am about the Jets, though. Actually, I'm feeling pretty good about the Jets. Quincy Inou- Inunua out for the season.
1: Well, 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 good, I think, is a relative term in this situation here. Because good not meaning that you think they're going to be good. Good meaning that you feel confident that your prediction for them will be accurate.
2: I feel very confident they will go under four and a half games. And Vegas needs to move this total to four at some point. I think they're scared.
1: They should, move, they should move it to a half, and you bet the under. <laughs> how low – I mean,
2: how high – how low would it need to be for you to take the over on Jets wins?
1: None. I, take, I, would, take, I, I, would, I would take under a half. I think they're going to go 0-16. I
2: would take it at two and a half.
1: How over. are they – Like okay, so you're going to – Quincy Anunua, who is going to be their number one receiver – and it sucks for the young man because he was going to get a ton of targets this year going into yeah. going into free agency next year. So it sucks for him personally, and like you would have liked to see him out there, could have been great in fantasy this year for fantasy players. And out for the season, leaving this Jets wide receiver depth chart, I'm going to read you some names. Robbie Anderson,
2: probably, baby, I love Robbie Anderson.
1: Probably why because he shares your son's first name, or do you actually like him? <laughs> No,
2: I liked Robbie Anderson. I, I liked him last year coming in. He had a nice little year, and, and, and it's a different. He has a why, I think. My Robbie Brinson is R I R I E.
1: Well, he he got those catches last year because he was on the scout team with Bryce Petty or the third team with Bryce, and then Bryce got into the game, and that was the only guy that Petty looked at.
2: He's gonna well, he's gonna get the catches this year because he's the only breathing human on their death chart. Did
1: you know that there is a guy named Sharon Peak who is currently listed as one of the potential starters for the Jets at wide receiver?
2: I, I mean, I did because I was joking about this the other day. I think, but like, like we should, we should have, we should have played that game instead. And if I, I wish I hadn't looked it up, but we should have played a, is this a real Jets wideout game? <laughs> like, like, like you name names, Jalen Marshall,
1: not, not Brandon Marshall, Jalen Marshall,
2: Jalen Marshall. I mean, like, I mean, we know. I mean, Sharon Peak, Ardarius Stewart, Chad Henson, Market. This is a murder. This is the opposite of the twenty-seven Yankees when it comes to to wide receivers. I'm gonna tell you, Nick Costos. Right now, that in every single fantasy football league that I'm in, at least when I'm not drafting while I'm doing radio spots and stuff like that for these for these mock drafts,
1: and, and you I, are and you are the worst, right? the worst, the least reliable drafter of all time.
2: I've been, I've been on time my last three. I'm making a conscious effort to get better at life. Um, Belal, I am loading up on Bilal Powell shares. I think that Bilal Powell might lead. Lead the league in targets, receiving targets, as a running back this year.
1: No, he's going to be a stud in PPR formats. And you know who else I think could end up being a decent wide receiving option for the Jets this year? Imagine say, uttering this sentence two weeks ago. Lucky Whitehead. Uh, Lucky Whitehead on the Jets. Now. And I actually, I like our Darius Stewart. I loved him at Alabama. I think he's got a chance to be decent this year. But, like, there is no talent on the, like, Will, we are in the year of our Lord, 2017. And Josh McCown is the clear-cut best quarterback on an NFL roster. Like, that is a thing that is actually real. And you know how McCown plays. Like, he goes out there, he's like a running back looking for contact, except he's a quarterback. Like, you can't do that as a quarterback. Josh McCown is absolutely going to get hurt, probably in September, and then you're either going to have Petty or Hackenberg, who are both terrible, and they don't have anyone to throw the damn ball to, and Matt Forte is 50 years old, and I like Bilal Powell, but he's not exactly Adrian Peterson or Jim Brown in their prime. The Jets are going to go 0-16. Like the Jets are not going to win a game this season. They are. I'm calling my shot right now. 0 16 for the Jets.
2: This is a much worse team than the Browns were last year. They're, I mean, a, much, they're,
1: they're worse. Will than the 2008 Lions that went 0 16.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It is. I mean I don't know. What to, I mean I don't know what to say like you like. Tyrone Peake, Robbie Anderson, Jalen Marshall, Odarius Stewart, Who Chad Hennessy, Miles White, Frankie Hammond, Chris Harper, Deshaun Fox, Gabe Marks, Lucky Whitehead. That is the worst wide receiver depth chart in the history of football.
1: Like like when, LSU, like when LSU had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the same team, their receiving core was better than this one.
2: I mean, there has to be a receiving core in the in, in college football that's better than those guys right now. I'd, there have, has
1: to be. I'd have to think about it, and I'm not going to right now, but I mean, I think you're probably right that there has to be.
2: I'll blindly say that Clemson is better just because of who is Clemson has put in the pros in the last, like, Five years. I mean, that is, it is something special. Yeah. So,
1: so I think 0 and 16 here for the New York Jets. And look, we know that the New England Patriots have owned the Jets for a really long time in the AFC East. And now, Will Brinson, they own two more Jets. I think this is pretty cool, right? So just to set the stage here for this, the Patriots have bought two planes to transport the team to and from road games here. So, like, American and Delta and United, some of these big airlines, are. Are retiring their older planes because they're not up to standards anymore, the aviation standards, and so it's hurting. You know how some of these teams can get around and super expensive. So the Patriots have said, "Screw it!" They have bought their own planes. It is emblazoned on the tail of the plane. Will the five Lombardi trophies here? So I think this is pretty cool for the Patriots. Again, ahead of the curve as always from the rest of the NFL. If you had your own personal jet, what would you have painted on it, a la the five Lombardi trophies?
2: Well. Um, I, you know what, you know what I might do, Nick? I'll tell you what I would do. I would do like, so I have these golf balls that my wife get, that AK gets me every, every year for father's day. Although she slacked that. She didn't get them this year. We didn't have a talk about that. Um, she gets me golf balls with Robbie's face on them.
1: So you, so, so you hit your son.
2: No, I face him out when I drive. But then if I, and then, and it actually, you know what I found, this is like, I've noticed that when I get, if I'm playing and I'm getting like frustrated because I'm not playing well. I could pull one of those balls out. I look at his little face. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? It's just golf. I'm out here enjoying a sunny day in a beautiful summer in North Carolina. I don't need to worry about anything. You know, I've got a cool kid at home, and I'll, I'll put it down and I'll start playing well again. Um, I would get Robbie's face put on the uh, I would get Robbie's face as a kid, as a little baby, put on the put on the tail, and I would update it every year as he gets older on his birthday. Um, and then on the other side, maybe I'll have like a beer or something because I like I like my son. And I like beer. What would you have on your plane?
1: You know, I don't think I'd have anything on my plane. I, th- I I feel like it would be enough just to have just to have a jet.
2: I would have a CBS logo. What am I talking about? A CBS? I would have a big eye. Although I guess if I was that rich, I, I, don't, I mean, I guess I'd be. If you were rich enough to have your own plane, would you still be doing your job?
1: Um. Yeah, probably, because I really like to work and I feel like I would never be able to just like retire from my job. I I, I would want to work. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, I would. I would continue to work even if I was extremely wealthy.
2: See, I don't believe that. But maybe maybe you would continue to work just because you want these iTunes reviews where they call you Handsome Nick Costas. And I love I your- love
1: those people that call me Handsome Nick because I am handsome, to be honest.
2: Um. Anyway, subscribe and rate and review. And by the way, subscribe, rate, review on, on iTunes. I've, we love you. Bubba Janks calls it Fridge of Great Stuff. Pick six podcasts are the best informative football show out there. Brinson, Prisco, and Costas are geniuses and experts in the field. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> on top of that, throwing one of the top NFL reporters, Jason Lockerford, on top of it, and you have one hell of a potent combo of guys delivering top-notch NFL analysis. I'm describing the podcast in the middle of the podcast. But if you leave something like that, we'll read it on here because um, you and I are opposite in personality, according to Killer Craig. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate that. I don't want to be like Nick. Um, I'm just kidding. You By are, the way, the yeah, Patriots—
1: Yes, and you are ugly. So, yes, you can't be like handsome Nick. That's true. Uh,
2: the Patriots thing is actually really interesting, right? So— Darren Ravel reported it first and the Patriots have confirmed it with pictures of the plane Ravel says that it costs about four million dollars to charter the 10 different flights um, you know per year to these away games the Patriots probably paid let's say 75 million maybe more but the difference in this plane for the Patriots is that they now have an entire plane that they own and can fly anytime they want that is entirely full of first-class seats it's like awesome. you don't have to You don't have to worry about showing up and not knowing what the plane is like you. Everyone has everyone. Your rhythm is going to be a little bit easier when you're traveling. You know where the plane is. I think it's going to make life easier for the Patriots. And they're just basically using the spoils of war to get better at at, at further conquest. I they're, lo- the,
1: they're the Lannisters. It's it's unreal. It's like it's like Westeros. It's like it's like their insignia now is the five Lombardi trophies, and it's so ostentatious and and it's so pretentious that I can't help but respect it. Like, how can you not like like almost like bend the knee and bow before the greatness of Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, and the Patriots? Like they earned it, and they're flaunting it. And you know what? God bless them for it. Like, if you're listening and you hate the Patriots, I understand, right? Because I'm a Giants fan, so, like, my team has actually had success against them. But if you're not a Giants fan or maybe a Broncos fan, chances are the Patriots have beaten the hell out of your team for a really long time. You can hate them if you want, but in the same breath, you also must acknowledge their greatness. And I think this is just another shining example of the, uh, the wonderment that they've been able to accomplish here over the last 15 years or so.
2: I could not agree more. The Denver Broncos have also been very good. They were rumored to be interested in a quarterback, and your boy John
1: Elway is out here on Twitter. Did you see it this morning? I did, did not. See- did oh, saw- oh, with AJ McCarron, I did see this. Yes,
2: there's a rumor of AJ McCarron. John Elway tweets. Rumor of us being interested in anyone other than the QBs we have is another example of irresponsible fake news. Did, did Elway say fake news? Elway's not fake news. He's out here tweeting like the press. I love it. Yeah, miss, m- from, and Elway, of course, is a, is a pretty dyed-in-the-wool Republican, I believe, if you follow his uh, um, his history and, and how he acts. So I love the idea that Elway is out here just banging the fake news cycle. And And, and you know what I think is actually interesting about this, Nick, and – I think the fake news as – a, as a as a capital J journalist, um, I am bothered by the idea that, that fake news is something that is real. Like I posted a picture of my kid uh, holding the CBS Fantasy magazine on, on on my Facebook page. And the first comment below it was someone going, it's about time – it's like sports is the only thing that CBS doesn't – reports it isn't fake. And I was like, really? You had to post you had to post that on um, – on, uh, A cute on, picture on my, of your kid,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, unnecessary. But I think if you look at John Elway and John Lynch – the way that they approach how they how they sort of uh, how they sort of uh, you know approach the media they come straight at you and they're like hey look I'm going to tweet this is not real that report not real and, and instead of allowing it to fester and become an issue they take it out of there and I think you can see that John Lynch learned from John Elway almost in the same way that I learned about this craft from one of the great capital J journalists one Pete Prisco let's go talk to Pete how about it.
1: Funny that you say that, Will, because joining us live on the line right now from Los Angeles, where he's going to be at Rams and Chargers camp, the aforementioned P. D. Prisco. Pete, how is the flight out to the West Coast?
3: Long, very long. But you know what I did? You know what I finally finished my playing out the season, so uh, I got that in that over on this week, um, and that thing was a pain in the butt. But I finally got it done
2: uh all right we'll dive into the rams in a second pete but first how many wins do the patriots have because i know you famously had them going undefeated i think like the last seven years
3: <laughs> no they're not going undefeated this year but there is a team going winless let's put it that <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs>
2: it's, it's, all right pete we're gonna play a game real quick uh nick and i played this before okay it's we know who the team that's going winless is it's the friggin' jets right right okay let's play a game is this a real jets wide receiver on the depth chart right now, Chiron Peak, yes or no? Yes. Steve Sanderson, yes or no? No. <laughs> well played. Chad Hanson. Yes. Artavius Smith.
1: No. See you you you're not giving him good Wait, enough Martavius names. Like, Smith like, Smith? like 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 you took our Darius Stewart and you turned it to something else Smith. Like, right. of course he's going to know. Right.
2: I he hesitated on Steve Sanderson though. Okay, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good didn't one.
1: Didn't Steve Sanderson used to be a pitcher for the Yankees or the Dodgers or something? Like Steve Sanderson pitched somewhere in major league baseball. D- didn't Steve
3: Sanders used to be in uh not <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it's funny, Pete, because I actually said earlier in the podcast that the Jets are going to go zero sixteen. Like, like they are. I, I don't think like you can actually make the case. Like, Will asked me, like, what would the number have to be for you to bet over on the Jets or or not bet the under? I said if the over under for the Jets wins was a half, I would still bet the under.
3: What what is it right now?
1: I think it's four, four and, a, and a half.
2: It's four and a half, but the under is like two twenty five minus two twenty five. So it's you can't take the You know, you can't take the under really.
3: I mean, it, it, they're bad. That's a bad football team. I mean, they have a couple of good players on defense, but they're a bad football team.
1: All right, neutral but, field, but all the way around. Neutral field, two thousand eight Lions versus two thousand seventeen Jets. Who wins?
3: Probably the two thousand seventeen. I mean, two thousand eight Lions. That's, I mean, that's, that's un- un-
1: un- unbelievable. I will Jets say that
3: are, they're bad. It's a bad football team.
2: They do get the they do get the Jaguars and the Browns.
1: The Jaguars and the Browns are like like the seventies Steelers and Raiders compared to the 2017 right, Jets. Right, they're much better. It's not even much it's, not, better. it's not even like the Browns are much better than the Jets. I don't even think it's close.
2: Probably not. Uh how about the Rams? Because I know Sportsline earlier in the offseason had the Rams with an ending up with the number one pick. Uh, clearly that that's changed with the way that the Jets have approached this Tank offseason. Uh I think, Pete, that Nick and I are both kind of High on the Rams, and I wrote a piece. Um, you know, the burning question on the Rams, uh, basically wondering: Can can Sean McVay make Jared Goff the next Kirk Cousins? Is that is that a potential situation for Los Angeles this year?
3: Well, I think if you're LA, you you would love that idea to get to it, that level this season. But we draft him first overall. You'd ideally like to get him well past that down the road. Um, I, look, it, it's going to be a tough challenge for him, no question about it. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of issues. You know, the offensive line's been. I think it'll be better. Whitworth is here. I think that helps in a big way. Um, uh, yeah, I do think they will be better. But it's, that's a long road to get to those numbers. I, I do think Sean McVay is the right guy. I, I really like Sean McVay. I think he's innovative. I think he's creative. I think he's good with the players, even though he's he, he's so young. Uh, to me, that that tells you a lot about where they're headed but it's going to be a long process to get him to to that level i think
2: yeah one of the things i was looking at from like a play calling perspective too is is that last year I, i think it was the game against the saints maybe i think i'm pretty sure it was the saints um it's in the piece and i've just i've written too much i haven't slept enough but the um it was like a third and two and the rams called for two vertical routes down the field and Goff ends up trying to throw this like under pressure throw to Kenny Britt, who's running a comeback route. And then you look at what McVay did with with Kirk Cousins on these shorter situations. And he would just take four wide receivers and really just flood the field at different levels, which is not a a crazy concept in today's NFL. But it seems like the weapons between Robert Woods and maybe Josh Reynolds on the outside and Tavon Austin and Cooper Cup on the inside, along with the tight ends they drafted, might actually be a fit for that sort of offense. Right.
3: Yeah, I think they they have some young weapons. I mean, you know, Tavon Austin has to continue to grow and become a better player. But for me, it was more about the offensive line a year ago. I mean, they, they were bad last year. I mean, it was a bad group all the way around. And and you know, you take a lot of shots if you're the quarterback. You couldn't run the ball. Gurley was uh, you know not as decisive as he was the year before. Uh, so for me, that's uh, it was all about the offensive line. The offensive line's better, and I think they will be. Then you know, the Rams will be a better offense. Um, Interestingly enough, I mean, they got the other thing is they got to get back to their defense, and and for me that means Robert Quinn. I mean, he's a guy who's been banged up a couple years. He hasn't had the same production as he did, you know, back in the day. Uh, he's a guy that needs to get going and, and and really amp up that defense. I, I think there are ta- there's talent on that defense, but they got to get back to playing at a high level and. Uh, they need Aaron Donald in camp, no question about it.
1: What's the expectation for Wade Phillips and his defense here, 2017, Pete? And I love, by the way, the dichotomy. It's like when me and you do shows together. It's the young guy and the old guy. We've got the young head coach in Sean McVay and the grandfatherly defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips.
2: And, and, and I'd be curious, too. Like, Do you think that the personnel there is a fit for Wade Phillips' defense? Because to me, it looks like it is. And by the way, I think that Wade Phillips... Had a coaching job in the NFL before Sean McVay was born.
3: You might be right. I mean, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting. It's it's definitely an interesting dynamic. I don't think there's oh, yeah, any question about definitely. that.
2: He was with the Oilers in '76. I wasn't born then.
3: I was. <laughs> I, was we, we know. I was. I was I was sixteen, doing my thing, baby. Um, no. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, look when when you it is an interesting dynamic, and you know here's the other dynamic in that thing is Les Snead hung on. You know, a lot of people wondered how he did, and this is a big year for him. I mean, he has to prove that he can he can be the guy for the for the long run, um, and that means that Goff has to take the next step. If the quarterback, you know, you're always tied to the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. If you're the GM, you're always tied to the quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with the quarterback. If he takes the next step, then maybe Les stays there. But bottom line is they got a lot of work to do to be a contender in that division. It's a good division.
1: Speaking of the quarterback, I know you guys know I'm on record here with my absolute love for Jared Goff. I thought he was going to be a star when I watched him at Cal. I was shocked how things went last year. I'm going to blame Jeff Fisher for a lot of that, and I think Goff's going to have a pretty good year this year under Sean McVay, and you said, Will, you and I are both a little bullish here on the Rams. I've already put a sizable wager, for for me at least, on the Rams' over win total at 5.5. I think they'll get to 1-0, and especially if Scott Tolzien starts week number one for the Colts in Los Angeles. Pete, do you see Jared Goff you alluded to it, that he needs to take that next step. I think he absolutely takes it this year, and I think the Rams are a surprise team. Probably not a playoff team, but I see the Rams as a 7- or 8-win team this year, and then they can reload for 2018 and really try and make an impact in that NFC West.
3: Yeah, I don't see him winning a lot of games this year. I think they, they this is kind of a feel-it-out year. He will be better. I agree with you on that. Uh, There are a lot of scouts in the league that wonder if he'll ever be good, though. Uh, I'm with you, Nick. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he'll be better. But, again, you know, the Donald situation, I think he does show up. They'll give him a new deal. Uh, You know, Quinn, uh, to me, is is the guy that's got to take the next step on the defense and the offensive line has to be better. But you're talking about a division with Seattle and Arizona uh, who are two really good teams? I mean, they're both good teams. This is like a last run for that Arizona team, and it might be coming to the end for that Seattle defense, particularly you know the, the, as age and and that stuff starts creeping in on the other side of the ball. So I, I just don't see them winning a lot of games. I just I, I think I think they'll win the opener, particularly if Luck's not there. But I don't I don't think they're going to win a lot of games.
2: What happens, Pete, if Nick is? And I know this has never happened before, but what happens if Nick is wrong? <laughs> And I'm wrong and, and Jared Goff stinks again. Is there any chance that it, that the Rams next offseason that McVeigh could go to, you know, so let's say Les Snead is out. Um, you know, he drafted into that, that McVeigh goes to ownership and the new front office and says, we need a different quarterback. Is there any chance that happens after year two of golf? I mean, it feels really early, but, but there are the, the chatter about Kirk Cousins. Do you think that golf is a lock to at least get a couple more years
3: of run? Hard to say if he's a disaster, maybe not. And then you know, got this whole situation with Cousins. You mentioned Cousins, and and he would be an unrestricted free agent if they if he does hit the market, and they can go spend money on him. So, no, I think this is a huge year for for, for golf. But the other side of that is, you know, they go what do they go to the new stadium in, in two years? Yeah, it's not next year, but, right, two years. So. McVeigh. Some people in the league think he's just keeping the seat warm for some big name when they get to the new stadium. Um, I hope that's not the case, but that's what you know. There's scuttlebutt around the league about that when he took the job. So maybe, maybe he decides after this year, hey, uh, you know, I got to win right away, and maybe he does do that and go out and get uh, Kirk Cousins. But getting rid of a, a, a guy that's, you know, a franchise number one overall pick that you made the move to go get is hard to do. But if Les Need doesn't make it out, then then I think it's easier to
1: do. You were right. The offensive line was brutal last year for the L.A. Rams. But Todd Gurley wasn't exactly great, even with the foibles of the offensive line. The Rams need him to bounce back this year. Do you see that happening?
3: I think he'll be better. Um, he wasn't decisive. I think he got hit in the backfield a lot, and he started getting you know tapped dancing a little bit. It wasn't the same runner. But you get Whitworth at left tackle. You get Sullivan at center. I think that'll upgrade uh, those two spots they move. You know, Havenstein, they're flopping Havenstein and Brown, which is interesting, um, you know, one going to tackle, Brown going to tackle, and Havenstein going to guard, which will be an interesting dynamic. But I think I think when you look at that team, they got to run the ball because they don't have a lot of great weapons outside. You mentioned, you know, the young guys will, you know, Cooper Cup and, and Reynolds, but they're young. And, you know, Woods is, a, is an okay receiver. I don't think he's a number one. And Austin clearly isn't a number one receiver. He's more of a, a guy that does stuff in the intermediate area. So they, they have to, you know, the tight end situation could be good, you know, with Everett and Higby and those guys. They could be okay there Higby. as well. I
1: love Tyler Higby, and I think I, I think both those guys are going to be pretty good this year. Tyler Higby, by the way, Pete, I want you to watch for him at camp. I will be drafting him in fantasy leagues this year. I think Tyler Higby is going to have a nice year for the Rams.
3: I, I agree with you, and I think you saw flashes of that last year. I, and I think he's growing. He's going to be able to grow together with uh, with Jared Goff. You know, we mentioned the defense. Here is the other thing that we're not talking about. They're trying to that group in the Wade's defense how, you know when Aaron Donald does come back how is he going to fit in playing in the defense that they use I mean the Wade doesn't play a, a straight two gap three four and, and we've seen guys do it before but come on you're taking Aaron Donald who was a you know arguably I thought I voted for him for defensive player of the year last year and you're going to make him do something that he has you know that that's different for him and and don't get me wrong I think he can do it but there's going to be an adjustment there for those guys
2: um I guess. I mean, I feel like you kind of plug in Aaron Donald, sort of wherever you want, and he's kind of gonna... like J.J.
3: Watt. I agree. I agree, yeah. you can do it, but still, with a bit of an adjustment. No, but, I mean, no, Robert but... Quinn's Robert Quinn's going to stand up. Yep. I mean, that it's different. It's it's different. You yeah, know, but it, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of adjustment.
2: I mean, Mario Mario Williams, DeMar, I mean Demarcus Ware, and. Um... Vaughn Miller of all, I mean, Vaughn played outside you know, linebacker in the four three anyway. But uh, I, I was, I, I don't want to lose what I had, what I thought was an incredible segue. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go Go back anyway. to it, buddy. Speaking of runners and protection, yes. Sound the spoiler alarm, because Pete, I need to know what did you think? <laughs> what did you think about Braun of Blackwater flying in and saving, maybe not saving, Jamie Lannister?
3: That was pretty incredible. That yes. was a great scene, by the way. I mean, the dragons are just burning everything. I mean, she's she's heartless. Remember, he told her, "Hey, you got to burn guys," and she went right on in. I love Bron firing the thing into the dragon, though, and hurting him. Uh, I was hoping he killed him, but he didn't. I want to see you the dragons want, you They the need dragon the dragons, dragons when they got to fight the. Yeah, they're evil. They're evil dragons. Uh, well,
2: was... uh, but see, now, here from a, from a storytelling juxtaposition angle, this is the beauty of that 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 action is that. Because I, I was sitting there with my wife, we're watching, and, and she's yelling, she's on like, kill the dragon, not because she wants the dragon to die and she wants Danny to lo- lose or get hurt, but she wants to see, can this thing, are the dragons unstoppable? And you needed that thing to bust up the dragons a little bit, because if it does, if Clyburn's little spear doesn't work at all, then Danny just runs roughshod over the whole thing. Now they at least have a notion that they can wound these guys, although killing may be a different story.
3: They need the dragons for the White Walkers, though. I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing. In the end, they're going to have to have the dragons for the White Walkers. I mean, that I, I thought it was a great scene. I thought it was, you know, and and then you saw the sympathy for the brother. Get out of there. Get out of there. You know? And he, he realized, you know, it's still as, as much as he, he hated the family, he didn't hate him as much. Correct. I, I don't think he hates him at all,
1: actually. I don't think Tyrion hates Jamie at all. Tyrion likes Jamie.
3: Right. Right. But he hates the family and, and the father and the sister and everybody else. But... Uh, you know, there's some theory that Tyrion's going to turn on her and align with his family. I don't believe it. Do you?
2: Well, you got to remember that, you know, I think I think that also at that point in time before Danny is talking to Tyrion and she's like, look, she's like, it's kind of weird how you keep screwing up these attacks on your family. You know, like I like I brought you in here to help me win. And you go and you say, you know, your family, but you keep losing to them. Are you losing to them or, do they, you know, what's going on? I'll tell you what's an interesting theory. If you go over to the ringer.com Kevin Clark, um, friend of the show, good dude, actually talked to Aaron Rodgers, who has a pretty cool theory, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. I think – this is the quote from Aaron Rodgers, Packers quarterback. I think that Jon Snow, Daenerys, and the Hand of the Queen, Tyrion Lannister – I think they are all related. We know Jon Snow and Danny are. Um, there's a theory that Tyrion is also of, of, uh, of Targaryen. Well, this, this has
1: been out there for, for a long. This is not like Aaron yeah, Rodgers' original that's an an old, What are you talking about, Aaron? We don't need Aaron
3: Rodgers to have that theory. That's been out huh? there going on forever. What are you talking uh, about?
2: But I like the theory he's got. Three dragons, three riders, three siblings. What if all three of them end up on the dragons attacking? That is a new theory.
1: Well, No, it's not a new theory. It's actually probably like 15 or 20 years old, actually. But uh, not new, but we can paint I it saw off.
3: One, the, I saw one the other day when you can see through the credit, on the opening credits, where, the, where they show the wall.
2: And it's that, frozen. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that's how they get around the wall. It's, yeah. That's, I mean, why, winner, yeah, that's why they come in. Uh,
1: Next week's okay, ep- next week's episode is called Eastwatch, which is one of the castles at the wall up north. So I think that will be obviously a center of attention next week, and I think we may get a glimpse of the White Walkers on this episode on Sunday night, man. So hey, I- Nick,
2: can I can I, I have a question? Since you're uh, as you pointed out a few seconds ago, uh, uh, a book uh, I've read all oh, the books. I, I, I,
1: I am I am sir, I am a book elitist. I read Game of Thrones back in the late '90s and the early 2000s. Yes, it makes me but, a big a fan.
2: But I do, have, but I do have a legit question. Okay, so. When John goes into the cave with Danny, and he's – first of all, I thought that he might have drawn that stuff himself. Like, hey, look at <laughs> these pictures. The white knight is here. Uh, that would have been some
3: pretty quick work if he did.
2: Right. <laughs> but um, I was – I'm curious because before there was a long night, right? Yes. There, there was a long night and the White Walkers were defeated and now there are more White Walkers. How, what's the – were they just pushed back? Like what was the deal with that?
1: I think they were pushed back.
2: By dragons, though,
3: right?
1: Um, I don't know if it was ever really said like how it happens. I would have to go back and do some investigating on that. But um, I was what
3: about what the dumbest part of the show the other night was Arya coming back and actually being able to fight the woman with her stupid what? little.
1: Why was that bad? Actually, actually, no, in all seriousness, Pete Prisco is the only person that watched Game of Thrones. I feel confident in saying this: the only person that watched that scene and was like, you know what, I have a problem with that it was awesome like how I, what was bad about
3: that she would have chopped her head off in about two seconds shes and a, faceless down and put woman. a blade she's right a, in her throat she's a
1: trained assassin Pete she could she could change physical forms here what are you nuts what
3: no, I know she can change physical forms, but it doesn't mean that she knows how to f- – That yeah, just because that guy taught her how to fight way back in the day, now she can use the blade? Come on. Wait,
1: I'm a, I'm a, wait, 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 was, was Pete awake when he was watching the episodes when Arya was in Braavos for like a season and a half? Like did, like, did you miss that, yeah, Pete?
3: I saw it. It was stupid.
2: I will say this. I think that what had to happen is they had to speed up the process – They're doing that this season, this season, like instead of having those storylines play out over the course of a full season, they're compressing everything into seven episodes to make it more entertaining, to get it to get it through faster. Like the like the freaking Darth Racky ended up on the continent. We didn't see a ship like all of a sudden the Darth Racky are just storming the the, the continent, storming Jamie Lannisters. I'm a little disappointed, Pete, that you think this small person can't this the short person, the short, feisty little firecracker can't win a fight against someone who's bigger. I've kind of figured that wouldn't be your wheelhouse.
3: Well, for sure, if they had and jumped out of the tree and put a knife in their neck, maybe. But head-to-head, <laughs> you know, head, she ain't going to do it. Give me a break. And you get... saw at the end, boom, kicked her right down, too, and could have killed her. I don't know. I just... That bothers me in the kids when his eyes rolls in the head. Yeah, give me a break. Get the, that kid out of here. The, Somebody kill him. Put the, him out of his misery.
1: The Bran stuff is a little ridiculous. And my favorite thing, like, just going back to last week's episode, like, Bran sees Sansa for the first time in however long. And, like, he could have really said anything to her in that moment, right? He could have been like, hey, because like, he knows everything, right? Hey. John's still alive, like, or you know, do you know John's related to Daenerys Targaryen, or giving him like some critical piece of information given to her? But instead, he says, "By the way, you looked great the night you were horrifically raped. Like it was a really nice white dress when Ramsay raped you. Like, let me let me hit you with with that. Like, really, yeah, man? I mean, like, that, like that's what you say to your sister the first time you see her in years?
3: They should have John and uh, and Daenerys hook up, and then they can have another brother sister relationship. Well, except, no,
1: except no, except well she's the his, his aunt. She's not his sister. She's his aunt." Still she's what
2: she's, she's his, his aunt.
1: aunt. She would be his sister, wouldn't she?
3: An
2: uh, aunt because uh, her brother's uh,
3: son. That's right. That's right. That no, she's the. That's right. She's not the son. That's right. I
2: thought. I aunt. thought. I thought it was. I thought it was brother sister too. And my wife corrected me. I, I would say this, like, Bran, what are you like? What are you doing? Are you going to help anyone? Because if you know, if you've seen everything, you know everything. So quit being coy and like getting this dagger in play. Like just like Yo, just, screw like, Bran. Screw Bran. Screw- I will say the movie pulled a little finger where he's like, uh, and I wish we'd had that as sort of our intro to the podcast, but when he says chaos is a ladder, a little like, whoa. Like, how did you, how, and then he's like, Arya has her list. It's like, okay, you know everything. How about you provide a little information about the future? So, has he seen the future? Does he know what's going to happen with the White Walkers? What, I mean, what, like, what the hell's the deal? Is he just know the past?
1: I, I do feel like that's going to be re- revealed at some point here, hopefully. In the final three episodes of this year, I, I want to close the Game of Thrones talk by. giving By the you... way,
3: one last thing. Yeah, go ahead. The the, the, inf- the infatuation with fire is incredible in that thing. When you think back to it, all of it, everywhere you go, there's fire. So fire mm-hmm. is clearly in play down the road. Well, the, 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 the first
2: the, book was the fire, "Song of Fire and Ice." Well, I no, think.
1: that's the, that's the name of the of the series is "A Song of Ice and Fire." The f- name of the first book is well, Game. Know, when you the name of it, the first they, book they got... is Game of Thrones. Perhaps you should try reading it sometime.
3: The 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 guy was you know the the big guy was you know terrified his whole life of fire because he got put in the fire. They blew up that place with fire. They blew they they you know the fire with the and the fight with the ships and now the fire with the dragons. I'm telling you. It's all coming back to fire. They need the dragons to beat the White Walkers. I love this. All like unite, this is this is Pete's ever revelation after eight, is that they
1: kingdom. need fire. Like like congratulations, <laughs> Pete. We all knew that <laughs> after season one episode. I'm getting one. to
3: the point where they, I, I think I'm getting to the point where they don't know where they're going
1: with it. Of course <laughs> that, they know. That, George R R Martin told them the ending. Of course they know where they're going.
2: Thanks, thanks for that theory on fire and ice, Aaron Rodgers. Like, that like, like,
1: me... no, that was worse. That was like Matt Flynn or like Brett Hundley. Giving no, us no, a... but fire is the is the key to the whole. Is like through, throughout the entire show. There's no fire bleep, that, Pete. And when there's not <laughs> fire, there's ice. It's a song of ice and fire. Obviously, Jon Snow is the ice. Daenerys Targaryen is the fire. Welcome to the party, Pete Prisco. Great to have you here. Now, I was gonna say, my hot I would take... I
3: would get rid of. I would have got rid of the White Walkers in my book. I, I, I Great, and, your,
1: and your, book your book would have. Your book would have sucked. Um. Here's my hot no. dog. Oh, you know, that's so realistic. It's really, I mean, there were actually
3: people fighting back in the day, you know, and, and for kingdoms and stuff and blades and swords and, and everything fire, else. And fire,
1: and fire.
3: Well, <laughs> they lit fires. They burned fires. they had. Then they eventually got to the point where they could fire fire. So, yeah, they did. But, come on, White Walker's coming back to life. Give me a break.
2: Can I... I mean, the... The, the protagonist got stabbed in the chest and he came back to life. And there were dragons, also not real. Pete's book would have at least been finished, though. Let's get out of the ramp.
1: That, that is true. But I, I got to hit you guys with this this one this one take that I have here. Tell me if you agree or disagree. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. I feel like if they stick the landing, if the final three episodes of this season are good and the last season is good, I think Game of Thrones goes down as the greatest television show of all time.
3: It's the most talked about television show of all time because of Twitter and social media, but it's
1: not the greatest show of all
2: time. Yeah, Breaking Bad and The Wire. No, it's
1: what? The Wire.
2: Yeah, I threw The Wire out I there. I prefer
1: Breaking Bad to The Wire because Wire season five is not great and every season of Breaking Bad is great.
3: How many seasons of Breaking Bad
1: were there? Six. Were it there is. that many? Yeah, and five yeah. for The Wire. But like, but like, but I'm saying this like assuming that Game of Thrones kills the ending, like the ending is great. Then I think yeah. we can say it might be the best.
3: The Wire is better because it had so much, I mean, great, act, different characters and stuff. you got to remember, Breaking Bad, it was all about him, and his wife was annoying. She was one of the worst characters ever on
1: any Disagree. big major series. I, I liked Skyler. So, you did? I did. I think I'm uh, I'm in the minority here. Everyone hates her except for me.
2: But, I mean, Skyler like, played a role. Like, she had to be the annoying wife who was, like, ter- I don't know. I mean, like, it's all... I,
1: I don't know.
3: Breaking Bad was very, very good. I enjoyed it. But The Wire is epic TV. And I think and you guys are I mean, you guys are too young to remember some of those series back in the day. And, you know, Ash. like Mash. you know, Mesh. I love Lucy.
1: <laughs> What's that? I love Lucy. <laughs> no. The Honeymooners, the Brady Bunch.
2: You were there you were there for the first you were there for the first uh the first live Flintstones, right? Like not even like the show, but like the actual Flintstones.
3: No, but I'll tell you one thing. When I was a little kid, oh, I God. could I could sit all day and watch Leave It the Beaver.
1: All right. Okay. I, I think right? I, I think we're done, Will, with with this particular topic. You never watch Leave It the Beaver we're, Jerry Mathers as the Beaver? No, we're not a, we're neither it, neither of us is in the triple digits in terms of age, Will. Where 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 are we taking this now? You okay, definitely. but rank your shows. Before we get
3: to back to football, rank your shows, Mr. Uh, it's going to be the Greek, because you sent out a tweet the other day, greatest show ever I saw. It. You get so caught up in the emotion of it.
1: Wait, one through what?
3: One through four. One through five. Um, one through 5
1: Break. Let's do your top, top okay. three. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. Uh, I would go The Wire. Top three.
3: I'd go... Uh, uh, uh,
2: Go ahead, Pete.
3: Okay, go ahead, Will.
2: Uh Breaking Bad Magnum PI <laughs> Thrones.
1: Magnum PI. Magnum PI. That, that is, that, so is that that is weird. That that's weird. Now,
3: Nick. I mean, uh Will, I love Magnum PI, but come on, one of the top really,
2: just kidding. I love, do love Magnum PI. I mean, I think that I think that for me I think Better Call Saul is in there as a really good no, show. No, it's
1: not. Well, it's really yeah, it, it is, but we need to see how it ends before we can like really classify
3: yeah. it. it
2: I
1: love
3: Magnum back in the day. We used to. My parents used to have this place where we they had a timeshare. We used to go down there and they had a pool. We used to call it the King Kamehameha Club, and we did we go there <laughs> do all the time over there. But. Come on, one of the top three, Magnum PI. What's the matter with you, Prince? I, I, that, that might be the worst
2: take ever said on this podcast. No, no, no. What are the three? I think the three best shows. And I mean, it is sort of a modern thing. Like I w- but I mean, like it's hard to beat The Wire, Breaking Bad, and Game of Thrones. Like I
1: am Sopranos. I am, are we Are we forgetting about the Sopranos? Yeah, Sopranos had I, Sopranos had some throwaway episodes though that like some of these other shows have not had.
3: No, Game of Thrones had a few throwaway episodes too.
2: Wire season.
3: No, I would I would rank it: The Wire one, Sopranos two, and maybe Breaking Band three, and Game of Thrones four. Now, now, I, now, I no, like Will, Game of Thrones. Now stay tuned. I'm for just next not week's. a fantasy. I'm just not a fantasy guy. It, it, it's fantasy. No, it's just, I, I, I I don't read fiction books. I read true books. I read crime. I read what's going on in the world. I read you know biographies. I don't want to read fiction. I don't want to read fake crap. I want to read I'll watch it on TV, but I don't want to read. I want to read, read. I want to see real. That's why, like, I don't know if you guys have watched the Unabomber thing on uh, on Discovery. Who the hell wants? Fan- who, who the
1: hell wants to watch that?
3: It's fantastic how they caught him and everything. It's great. You gotta, you gotta Go read your little fantasy books from being when you were nine years old sitting in your room because you had no friends.
1: I'm going to read Game of Thrones. Nobody's playing with me today. I'm Nick Costas. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, by the way, for that old man manifesto. And stay tuned for next week, Well, where Pete Prisco gives us <laughs> the startling revelation that The Sopranos is about gangsters and The Wire is about crime in Baltimore. And Game of Thrones is about fire and ice. Thank you very much, Pete.
2: Speaking of dudes. One is
1: truth, one is fantasy. All right, let of- Will do his professional segue. Will, go ahead.
2: Guys who are all alone, you know he's going to be all alone next year every day as he heads to work? Philip Rivers. He's going to be stuck in a commute to L.A. Do you think that commute, and we're going to talk to Phil in a minute. Uh, Jason Lacafour interviewed him, that's coming up in a second. Do you think that Philip Rivers will be bothered by the commute from San Diego to Los Angeles, Pete? Uh, yes.
3: Yes. Eventually, but look—he's—he's he's one of the all-time family guys in the NFL. I mean,
2: he's, he's got—I <laughs> yes.
3: mean, he's got what? He got ten kids or nine kids or whatever. I think it's eight. But Philip Rivers is one of the best guys in the NFL I've ever dealt with, and I have met Philip Rivers way back day. I tell that story all the time. At the Peyton Manning football camp, I went. I drove up. It was before it became a big deal. I drove up. I went to the. It was when they moved. It was in I think Huma, Louisiana back then. He drove up saw these three guys on the practice field It was 120 out there was a tartan field it was hot as could be and they're all sitting there doing their workouts on there and i'm like okay there's peyton there's eli who's the other guy and i looked over and it was this quarterback from north carolina state named philip rivers and that's the first time i ever met philip rivers the guy one of them will go down as one of the greatest underappreciated quarterbacks in the NFL. Well,
1: that was a, yeah. That was a scintillating story, Pete. Like, who's that guy at the camp? Oh, it's Philip Rivers. No punchline. Well, Because no, no, the no. other guys had to do. It. Peyton
3: makes Eli do it, right? Peyton's a maniacal, crazy man, but Philip Rivers is right there with him. That's the moral of the story. If if you didn't if you didn't read so many fiction books, you would pay attention to reality once in and,
2: a while. And you got to remember too that Rivers, while fairly recruited coming out of high school because you know Coach's son and all that, had that he's had that funky motion, and people were kind of poo pooing him even coming into the draft wondering if he could be a great quarterback i think that philip rivers is a better quarterback in terms of his career than eli manning but doesn't get the respect because eli happened to play with some great defenses who won super bowls
3: i would agree with you i think he's a better player than eli manning but eli will get the hall of fame and philip rivers might not
1: can i throw can i throw a what if scenario at you guys here that that concerns philip rivers Oh. Uh, tell me if you agree or disagree. I believe very strongly in this and believed it very strongly from the day that it happened. So the AFC championship game, the year the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season, 2007, and lost to the Giants in Super Bowl 42, The Patriots hosted the Chargers in that title game with Norv Turner in his first year as coach after Marty Schottenheimer had gotten fired following 14-2. and And Rivers played that game on a torn ACL and was clearly not himself. And Tomlinson got hurt early in that game. I remember all the shots of him looking forlorn on the bench in that game. And I hold. The Patriots won that game 21-12. And I remember the score because I bet the Chargers plus 9.5 and, and they covered by a half a point. So I won that bet. Um... If Tomlinson and Rivers had been healthy in that game, I still believe the Chargers would have beaten the Patriots in that game and gone on to the Super Bowl. And then, like, let's forget about Norv because that would have done a lot for Norv's legacy. Now we're talking Phillip Rivers as a Hall of Fame player here. I really, really believe that, that that Chargers team would have upset the then 17-0 and Patriots in that title game. Do you guys agree, disagree with that assessment?
3: Uh, I mean, it would have been a, it would have been right there at the end, no doubt about it. Because it. it was close. Because
1: remember, did. like they, Nate Nate kicked four short field goals there because the Chargers kept petering out, uh, puttering out, I should say, in the red zone there. And if Rivers is healthy and LT's healthy, they score at least one touchdown out of those four field goals, at least one.
3: It was one of the great uh, games for a guy to prove how tough he is when people didn't think he was tough. I mean, Philip Rivers. I mean, it was it was incredible, and he's he's might be one of the five nicest guys in the National Football League off the field might be one of the grade A you know what's on the field. Players can't stand him. He talks nonstop and I love every bit of it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look, I I, I would I mean I would I would back that. I, I think Phillip Rivers, you know, if you look at I mean, what is it twice that they've lost to the yeah, twice they lost to the Patriots in the playoffs and, and I mean it's it's one of those where that team was so good that yeah he completed yeah 46.1 passer rating in that game that 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 chargers team was good enough to win a super bowl and i think he's had teams that have been good enough to win a super bowl and has at many times just been unlucky in the playoffs and then lately has been unlucky in the regular season they've lost more games 20 31st 26 31st in terms of adjusted games lost the last three years and they've lost all these one score games pete do you think the chargers are cursed or the Chargers just unlucky, and maybe there's something that's supposed to flip their way at some
3: point.
1: Or their doctors. I
3: think they've been, they've been unlucky with a ton of injuries. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. They've had so many injuries. Up, you know, the offensive line, the wide receivers. I mean, the injuries have decimated. The cornerback got hurt last year. I mean, the injuries have decimated that team. So, I think they've been unlucky. Because you, can't, you know, can't say you're cursed if, if guys are getting hurt. I think you're unlucky.
1: So it's like the greatness of Phillip Rivers, right? So Mike Williams goes down their first-round pick. We don't know what his status is going to be this season. We know Forrest Lamp, the second-round pick, the guard. He is out for the year with a torn ACL. And I feel like the beat's just going to keep going on for the Chargers because Rivers just makes chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what each and every year here. So I think the offense will be fine for the L.A. Chargers. But the defense here now, with Gus Bradley implementing his scheme here, what's the ceiling for this defense? Defense, Pete, because I look at Bowe and Ingram, and that's a hell of a pass rush duo coming off both edges here. I think this could be a pretty darn good defense this year.
3: Uh, I think it could be a, a very good defense, and Gus is a heck of a defensive coach. I mean, look, the corners, you know, when healthy, are darn good. I mean, Burette's a good player, and and Casey Hayward had a great year for him last year. Uh, you know, so I, you know, the safeties are okay. But when you got two pass rushers like that, and, and then you had a lot of speed. I mean, Perriman can run and Brown can run. I mean, they, you know, they need a better year from Corey Le- Legit. But the rest of those guys are good football players. I think he's going to do a good job with that defense. I think they're going to be surprisingly. In fact, let's just put it out there: the San Diego Chargers will win the AFC West. How about that? Well, they don't.
1: Even, well, they, they they don't exist. The LA Chargers will win the AFC West.
3: Well, you know what I mean. The LA Chargers. I've, I've got, I'm in LA. You know what I'm talking about.
1: No, no, no! So that. Nick, Nick's always
3: got to be the first one
1: to go. They don't exist. Well, you know what? Because the guy he was talking about, I like to be rooted in reality and not fantasy. He says a team that doesn't exist is going to win the AFC West. That sounded like fiction well, to you me. You know what either.
3: I'm talking about? You know what I meant. The Chargers are going to win the AFC
1: West.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> by the way, I like that you like to be rooted in reality by fake TV shows. Uh, I agree with you. I think the Chargers are going to win the, A- the AFC West. I will call them the San Diego Chargers probably through the first 10 weeks of the season. It's just snorted. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just hard to get rid of it. And... But
1: Nick Woney's going to call me LA Chargers every single time. <laughs> I have no comeback because that's so good. It really is. I give you credit. That's good.
2: Like, like You're pretty feisty for uh, – is it? What time is it nine, out there? It's 9,
1: nine a.m. on the West Coast. I've been up since five 4.55. Yeah, I can't right. sleep. I'm an old man, remember? I'm an old man. We don't sleep. Our years
3: are going by too fast. Oh, man. All right, Petey. All right, guys. All right, talk let's you talk,
1: uh, see wait, wait. See you Friday. We, We're going to talk will, on Friday. And see you on Friday. That... See? Yes, yes. So Will and I will be in Vegas landing around noon local time. So at what point do we head to the blackjack table? Is that going to be later at night, or are we going to go a little, a little, a little day gambling? What do you think? Hey, gamble!
3: Oh, th- we—you know—we have to go to Top Golf. You
1: know that, don't you? Yeah. Oh,
2: I like it. I like it. Let's go gamble at Top Golf amongst each amongst ourselves.
1: Perfect.
3: Oh, absolutely. But does Nick play golf?
1: Not well, but I mean, I'll play if, like for our amusement. Like it will amuse you. Well, don't worry. Don't eye. worry,
3: Nick. You'll beat you'll be will because it'll, it'll be two minutes, and I'll be inside his head. No quid. So don't worry about
2: it. Like, it's like playing golf. It's like playing golf with like a like. There's no. It's like with it's like Satan. he treats golf. No, he treats golf like it's a WWE match. He's like, "Come on, loser, bring it on!" He's like, I'm trying to tee up here. You, if you could kindly, like, I think.
3: No, that- you quit. Did you? Quit? Before we get out of this podcast, one golf, yes golf or no stuff question: stuff. When yeah. we played golf in South Florida one year during the draft, did you quit and take your clubs and go home?
2: Almost, I wanted to. I wanted to, but I had to drive you home too. I, I was throwing my. <laughs> He's a
3: baby. Ask F- F- you. He's a baby.
2: F- you, you, be- Nick. Did you- have you heard the story about what happened? I have not. No. So we. Pete and I so we go out and we play it's it's uh who is it Freeman and uh uh who else is playing? Who is it? Who's the force of Pete? I don't remember now.
3: The other cameraman that was on The Bachelor, what's his name? uh What uh, uh, what's it? I forget, but yeah, go ahead, get to the there's story.
2: There's four please. of us. There's four of us or two of them. Pete and I are on the same team, right? And we get out there and He's we play
1: raiding you and you're his teammate?
2: Played well. I played really well in the first, the front nine. Pete did not. I was like, man, Pete, would you shoot your age? He goes, no, no. Yeah, yeah,
3: okay. Look, I played poorly on the front nine, and Will played out of his mind, and we took took the turn, and Will made a crack about, boy, you're not playing so good or something like that. I go, okay, (laughs) idiot, it's on. And next thing you know... About four holes in, it was like a major meltdown. He's hitting the ball everywhere, and I'm passing, I'm beating him, and he he had like a, and then he like picked up one hole. I go, no, 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 no! You're scoring every one of those. There was like 14 of them on that hole, and he, he was, and he didn't talk. to like the final three holes, he didn't talk, and we pulled the card up afterwards, and he stormed off and put his clubs in the car, and he was going to leave me there.
2: I thought about leaving. There, I mean, we're on the same team. Pete's like, I don't care if we win this bet. I'm just trying to take you down. I'm like, what is the matter with you?
3: Because we were playing, over, we were playing team bet, but you made the crack about beating me and playing poorly, and then so once you said that, it was on, and then you went in the toilet. I got in your head. So Nick, don't worry about Top Golf Friday night because you'll get, we'll get right in his head, and he'll start spraying that thing everywhere.
1: Now, no, no, <laughs> Pete, you said that Will was acting like a baby. If you were to imitate the noises that Will was making on the golf course, what what would it have sounded like?
3: It wasn't like your normal noises like you make. It was more like... I'm taking my clubs and I'm going back to my own country club where people appreciate me and they have the etiquette of the game. None of this bad man stuff where he says stuff after I make a bad shot. I like to go home to my country club where everybody has a cigar and a scotch afterwards and we talk about how great we are all in the game of life.
1: Wait, wait, you know, Will, what's very underrated about this is that Pete always calls himself either the the bad man or the mean man, and like he thinks that other people in their heads are like, man, the. Mean the mean man's here, the bad man's out to get me. Well,
2: I gotta I gotta tell you, that 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 imitation is hundred percent spot on. I mean I've never I've never I've never I haven't acted like that since I was like five years old. I was so furious and there's nothing you can do about peaches like knocking shots closed ah!
1: <laughs> like he's Satan, right? He's like the I devil. Am evil, I am an evil
3: person to play golf with. I I if I'm playing you in a game and you come up to the tee box and there's water over there, I'll go, "Boy, that's a big lake in front of you." <laughs> uh, it
2: was not it was not my proudest moment. I'm glad it wasn't in front of anybody except Pete and uh, and people who don't. And, and the
1: unnamed yeah. cameraman.
3: Um, all right, Pete. It's been fun, all right, guys. We'll see hey, when you. do we do okay all right guys, we'll talk Friday. yeah we we'll, we'll figure right?
1: out the podcast schedule when we're in Vegas when we're going to do it live out there.
3: Okay. All right, later.
1: bye all right my uh my stomach actually hurts from laughing will
2: like that, I, I that was I'm...
1: that was hysterical I I, I I might be crying also. That was freaking hilarious.
2: All right, so real quickly before we get to lock and four and those interviews, what do you think about hard knocks?
1: I loved Hard Knocks. I thought it was like – I thought it was maybe not an A-plus episode because it was the opening one, but I thought it was at worst an A-minus. And to me, the two stars, obviously Jameis, who showed you a different side of himself, that opening scene with him like back in his hometown and like how his house was almost more like a daycare center than a house. A baby. Yeah. That Congress is having a baby. That guy's having a baby. That will like- – that was 100. unbelievable. You're right. The the cockpits. And Jameis is hilarious. And I love Gerald McCoy, too. I thought his kids were adorable. I thought his rant to the reporters about how no, no one else on the team except for Jameis really matters was great. And I thought the funniest person on the episode, the funniest person, might have been – how about Doug Martin suspended for a couple games here? His cameo, like going up there and sweeping rookies off the stage who were uh, who were not performing well in the, uh, the rookie hazing event. So I, I thought it was a great first episode, and I think that this has the potential to be the best hard-knock season maybe. Maybe since the one where Joe Philbin cut Chad Chad Ochocinco on camera, which was pretty pretty riveting. I think this is going to be really good.
2: Yeah, and you got to remember the last three hard-knock seasons. So you have the Dolphins, right? And the Dolphins thing stunk, with the exception of Lauren Tannehill and, and Ochocinco. Love Lauren uh, Tannehill. And then you had the Falcons, which was terrible. And then you had the Texans last year, which was okay, but sort of forced drama. You could tell Bill O'Brien didn't want to be there. He's just trying to do his thing. And then J.J. Watt, being J.J. Watt for cameras, not great seasons, I don't think. I agree with you. This has the personalities. Deshaun Jackson, they're playing him up. He's gonna get run. He likes the camera. He likes to has swag as Jameis Winston points out. Jameis was fantastic. Uh, Billows, the, uh, the 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 rookie Riley. linebacker. Yeah. Riley. Yeah, yeah, Riley Billows. I mean it like he dropped fifty did it Riley Billows? He dropped like forty five F bombs in thirty seconds, which was fantastic. Uh, you saw that you saw him um, you know, get get props from uh from, from Dirk Cutter the head coach. And I think, yeah, Riley below. Hello. I actually got something right. That was better than Mike Gillespie. Um, Mike Gillespie, And, but I think that like, that's a guy who might, he's going to be on the fringe for the depth chart and he's going to get, you know, he's going to be one of those good storylines. This has a lot of potential, especially as a, a team that there's a lot expected out of with characters on it to be a fun hard knock season. We need one of these fun hard knock seasons. We haven't had one in a while and a big hard knock season for the, for the, uh, for the football media. I mean, Ryan Bass, our former colleague. Yeah,
1: how about Ryan Bass making an appearance on Hard Knocks?
2: He's hanging out there behind uh, who, who's talking when he was behind him. Is it Jason Light?
1: I think it was Jason, the GM. It might have
2: been. It was John Gruden. And then uh, Dan Graziano of ESPN pops up in in uh, in, in, uh, in, 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 in in Dirk Cutter's office, sit down having a little chat with him. And you see these uh, media everywhere, you know. We did uh, like that. We did like
1: that. And, and we like the NFL media, and we like good stuff out of the NFL media. Tell the listeners what they're about to hear, courtesy of one of the best members of the NFL media, our NFL insider, Jason LaCanfora.
2: Yeah, JLC out at Chargers camp, along with Pete Prisco. And, of course, JLC, is, he's been doing a fantastic job of getting audio with superstars from around the NFL for the Pick 6 podcast, which you can listen to, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate that. Philip Rivers and Joey Bosa coming up. Rivers, of course, ask about the, you know, what you ask Rivers about. And then Bosa, ask him if he knows who Jeff Spicoli is. Because I don't know if you've heard Joey Bosa talk, but he sounds like a surfer. He sounds like it just, he's like, yeah, I mean, like, I guess it was like, do, uh, like, Zach Brez and do stuff with like, Melvin to be cool, man. Cool. Like, is, does he know who Jeff Spicoli is? Has he ordered something for Mr. Hand? Has he brought a pizza to Mr. Hand's classroom? We'll find out when JLC talks to these guys next.
4: And, and your group? Did you guys have to physically move, or you ever nah, keep we, the same?
0: Yeah, we're kind of going to stay put, and try for a fall, see how it goes. Thirteen years in one spot—it was hard to just pick up and move. And uh, I think we're—I think we'll be able to make it work. About an hour, about an hour each way. But um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, I, you know, I, I, natural progression, right? Of, of you know the natural motion that you would expect. But it's grown into. Really excited and fired up getting to see stuff up last week. Kind of get, get a feel for how, how, what that environment has a chance to be like. You know, I, I think that they've done a heck of a job here it's with great the training facility. camp venue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been good over at Orange Coast and here at Sports Complex, Jack Hammond. Uh, so it's, it's been good. I mean, I, I, think, I think a little bit of the newness has... Added to the excitement, really. Right. You Not know, like anything. It's kind of like, oh, we're going to, You know, right. Just keep, New energy. Just kind of, yeah. yeah. And and plus, I think we got a hungry group. We got a hungry team. I mean, I feel like I feel like broken record. I've said the last two years, and we've gone four and twelve and five and eleven. But I, going into those years, I felt like, hey, we got a chance to be. And I feel the same way this year. We got a we got a good group of guys, and so we all know all the things that have to happen to. You know, to win those close games, you know, lost shoot, I don't know how many twelve oh, or thirteen by one score, so it's right there. Yes. So it's just a matter of making the making those plays to, to make the difference.
4: How involved, and I'm guessing not very, but probably at least a little. Are you guys in just this overall sort of franchise macro thing of hey? Football didn't work in LA for a while, and now there's two teams back here. And I mean, I see the signs all over the place. Right. I mean, obviously, there's only so many football fans, and you guys want to win as many over yeah. as you can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously that fight for LA has kind of become the become the the uh, rallying cry. I mean, I I think as players, we we we've really it's the, I know it's the boring cliche answer, but just controlling what we can control. It's that hey, what we can control is let's find a way to win more football games than we're winning. Let's be a group of guys that fight hard. We compete. Uh, and and make it people go, shoot, I want to go check the Chargers out. You know, and and we know, uh, uh, you know, that 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 takes time. But I think like anywhere, to me, just in general, human nature, people that are real, that they can relate to, that are genuine, that play hard, that those are the kind of of teams and people that people like to pull for. And so I think if we can just be that, be ourselves, not try to go, hey, we got to go have this, you know, master scheme, right. and and, I, and that's not to slight the hard work I know upstairs people have done, but as players, it's like, let's just go out and cut it loose and play, and make people go, shoot, just, let's go down the stuff up on Sunday. You know, right. Turn it into that type of team right. that they want to pull for. Right. You, you mentioned all the close games, and how these seasons
4: can turn on a play here and a play there. You guys have been snake-bit in the injury department. I know that they brought in some consultants and tried to change up OTAs. You've been around here as long as anybody. Could you see a, a, some tangible differences, and and I guess how they were trying to manage guys' bodies, in so much as you can keep injuries out of football. I mean, they're going yeah, to happen.
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one, I because I've been very close to every strength coach we've had here in the past, so I've always thought we were doing the right thing. And and so to say, oh, we finally figured it out. I mean, I do think some of it is like, I don't know. You know, some of it is you just throw your hands up and go, what do you do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think every time there's been a change they've tried to do all they can to help us i feel like i feel like we're strong and uh, and you know so far we had not had anything I mean, we lose force lamp you know last week second round pick we haven't had our first round pick yet so it's got kind of that those two are are, the, are really the only place we've been bit real hard right um but i i don't know i i think i think we, yeah i think they've done they've done all they can and then some of it is and hey, maybe it'll maybe it'll, it'll just Fall our way this time. How are things from going? the injury standpoint? Right. Yeah.
4: How are things going with the sort of a reshuffle of offensive line? Russell, obviously, he's an accomplished tackle.
0: Um, you feel like that? Those he's, five, are yeah. I tell you what, he's been. Uh, I didn't know him at all previously. Obviously, I know I knew the player he was the Super Bowl in Seattle and then Denver, but he's been even more impressive than I than I really knew. Uh, just from physically, he's really good, but he's really sharp. He's really sharp as far as. Just the, he, he 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 works at it from a mental standpoint. He doesn't just go out there and say, "All right, I'll just all right, just I'll block this guy." It's there's a lot that he 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 he's a student of it. And and he and Slosson together are a good a good tandem right there on that left side. And then Pulley in there at center, and Dan Feeney the young guy, and Kenny Wiggins who's who's been a scrappy player for us and done really well. And then Joe Barkstall has kind of been that uh, steady guy right yeah. tackle. So I think that group. You know, has got a chance to be a really good group and uh, they keep working together. They can and keep them all out there together. That's where, I mean, I had Keenan last year, Woodhead, we've had all that. But up here, when it's a different guy every week somewhere, it's hard when you talk about running the football and yeah. communicating protections. And so hopefully we can keep whatever five, we're going to, you always need six, seven, and eight. But right. if we can keep them out there for the most part, it'll help us. I
4: guess all you can do Is say a few extra pairs Eat a few more Wheaties And just keep your fingers you crossed go. Right that That the, the stupid football gods Are on your side 21 here. guys when IR I think it was It's crazy It can't happen again at least I'll, I'll, I'll say it You don't have to
1: <laughs> I appreciate your time That was Jason LaCanfora With Philip Rivers Next up JLC speaks with Joey Bosa Yeah I
5: mean Take one step at a time uh, I just want to get better Every single year I look back at college uh, My three year career there And I can notice a very significant difference in my play after every single year. Um, so I'm just trying to continue that and uh, keep working on my craft and getting better every day. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine you think the sky is the limit. Is it not
4: that your expectations for yourself are pretty high?
5: Yeah, they're, they're definitely high. Um, I mean, I, I still... 12 games is uh, not really a big enough sample to really know whether you're the real deal or not but uh, I mean I think it's important to believe that you are I mean any player in the game um, but right now I'm not competing with anybody else just competing with myself to try to be the best I can be and uh, I think that'll that'll work out really well I know what most of T-R-E- this stuff... <laughs> I don't want to be like this guy on <laughs> me too
4: <laughs> I know that a lot of this goes on over your head but at an at a ownership level, but the team moving to L.A. and this sort of competition with the Rams and yeah. trying to kind of
5: win people over and make this Chargers town. Do, do you guys feel any of that as players? Uh, I think as a team we try to focus on one thing, and that's winning games. Uh, we took the move relatively well. Um, I think guys like it out here. Um, I mean, it hasn't been too hard. It's really not that, that, not that big far. of a move. Um but no, I think the team's just really focused on one goal, like I said, and that's winning. Uh, all the outside noise kind has of hasn't affected
4: us. Do they ask you to do more from a marketing standpoint or anything? You know what I mean? Like yeah. as a face of the franchise kind of guy or someone people might be able to pick out
5: of a lineup? Yeah, I mean the opportunities in LA are obviously going to be greater than uh, in San Diego. Not not taking anything away from San Diego, but it is what it is. Uh, it's one of the big one of the biggest cities in the the world, um, huge market. Um, but they can chew you up and spit you out. So you better, uh, come to play. And, uh, we obviously know that there's a lot of sports and a lot of entertainment and plenty of different things to do in LA and we got to fight to win some people over here. What was your reaction when you heard the team was moving kind of bittersweet or, um, you know, after that season, I thought change might be a good thing. So, uh, Good to have some attention on the team. Guys are liking it, um, but again, I don't think we're focused too much on where we're playing at. We just we just want to win games.
4: Finally, a lot's been made about some of these crazy. Some of them are crazy injuries. Some of them are normal injuries. But there's been this injury sort of bug around yeah. here now your first and second round
5: pick are gone
4: yeah. I mean is it any I mean the guys like look over their shoulders now like geez was.
5: yeah I think it's just part of the game uh people are going to get hurt and there's going to be a lot of injuries hopefully not on on the team but I mean it's it's everywhere you look obviously last year was a pretty pretty crazy year for injuries but um I think guys are in really good shape and they're They're uh, really trying to take care of their bodies. They make it very important to them, or they make it very important to the team that they, to stay on the field for 16 games, you gotta make sure you're taking care of your body every single day, so. um, It's unfortunate that those two guys are out, but uh, we're gonna just keep working and hopefully minimize as many as we can. One one final thing, can you surf
4: at all? I have this image of you, like you ever see Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know who yeah. Jeff Spicoli is. Yeah. Like I could see you like in a Spicoli wig, like on a yeah. surfboard, like go see the Chargers kind of thing.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm a little too big now to <laughs> sink them, but uh, no, I, I've gave I've given it a go before. I used to have a surfboard, and longboards are fun. They could hold me up, so or uh, paddleboards. So those are those are fun. My dad. My dad's always on that in the canal uh, and around the beach down in Florida, so I could I can do that. Not not a yeah. short board though.
4: Yeah, at this point, don't risk it, right? Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I appreciate your yeah.
1: great stuff from Jason LaCanfora with both Philip Rivers and Joey Bosa. And Will, we are done with the Wednesday edition of the Pick Six. I will see you out in Vegas. See Pete Frisco in yep. Vegas this Friday. Looking forward to it. Will, what can the listeners do if they've enjoyed what they've just heard?
2: If you love what you heard and you want more of what you heard, subscribe, rate, review. That will mean more of us because our bosses will help us out. Um, and you like, if we get a bunch of reviews, then we can say, "Hey, give us portable mics. We're going to Vegas to record shows, or you know, we're going to go here to record shows." And then we could do like, we'll bring beer and feed you guys beer for your reviews and stuff like that. These are empty promises. Nobody can hold them to yes. me. Yes, for- and or bribery, and or bribery. Yeah, sure. I think that's illegal in some states. At the Costas on Twitter for Nick. At Jason Locker Four for JLC, at Prisco CBS, and at Will Princeton. Thanks for listening to the Pick Six Podcast. We'll see you guys on Friday.